What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow. All in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Hello and welcome to Ascent Dental Radio, a program dedicated to the balance between the clinical aspect of healthcare and the business of healthcare. And now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin Coughlin. Good afternoon. This is Dr. Kevin Coughlin from Ascent-Dental Solutions. You're listening to Ascent Radio, which focuses on knowledge, consultation, development, and training. Today's podcast, I'm excited to introduce you to the W.K. Kellogg Foundation. Uh, our guest today is Ms. Alice Warner, and she also has some support team members, Dana and Lynn. Uh, good afternoon, uh, Ms. Warner. Thank you so much for taking your valuable time to talk to us about the W.K. Kellogg Foundation. Can you give us a little bit of background uh, for our listeners who are primarily uh, dentists, dental hygienists, dental assistants from all over the country and all over the world at this point? Can you give us a little background, Ms. Warner, about the Kellogg Foundation and your job in particular? Certainly, and thank you, Dr. Kaufman, and uh, all of the work that you've done to in conversations up to this time uh, exploring the W.K. Kellogg Foundation and our relationship to oral health uh, throughout the uh, time since our founding. And it is a delight to talk to all of the oral health professionals. And I would really, really like to thank all of you for the work that you do day in and day out because our founder, Will Keith Kellogg, in 1930, as he was establishing his foundation, created a children's charter. He was invited by President Hoover to a National Commission on Child Welfare and Development. And uh, during that gathering of about 3,000 professional folks uh, and, and, and Mr. Kellogg, uh, he was introduced to a lot of the aspects of what is it that allows children to thrive and to be healthy. He talked about productivity throughout the lifespan and, and, to, and to be um, happy and educated and he said, do what you will with the money, 
but do uh, something to help the welfare of children. So um, we are about children. He established a children's charter out of that, and I'm very pleased to say oral health is one of those very core ideas that he established in those founding documents. The original grant making in 1930 included a lot of funding for the profession of dentistry and the training and education of dentists, uh, both the uh, graduate dentists as well as fellowships. Uh, during the war times, additional dentists that were ready to serve the military and, and to, to support our nation in, in the times of war. And so for, for us, the, the $88 million we've put into oral health since that time and has included all of the members of the oral health team, whether it is the dentist, whether it was the hygienist, and the development of the hygiene curriculum, we, we had grant-making support for that, whether it was the uh, dental assistance and extended function dental assistance. In the 70s, we worked with the University of Kentucky about that, and, and now it, we are uh, into a phase where we are looking at a, an expanded oral health workforce because what in each case was called extending the dentist's hands, each of those, the hygienists, the EFTAs, the, um, and now dental therapists, the dental assistants, all of those folks are, um, they realize that uh, the number of dentists and the population that needed oral health really was very mismatched, even in 1930. And in the county I live in Michigan, that that ratio has not changed since 1930. We have more people, we have more dentists, but that ratio, which he thought was was significant uh, in terms of the uh, lack of coverage and lack of care in 1930, remains entrenched in that 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 same place today. And I'm sure that's like that in many of the places that you live. So we have been proud uh, to take Mr. Kellogg's legacy. Um, he, he took his, all of his life's uh, resources and put them into the foundation when he could have funded, you know, uh, a legacy to his family. And this was about the future of the nation and the nation's children. So um, just a, a, a few other uh, pieces about our framework, and, um, and then I'll certainly stop talking so that Dr. Coughlin could, could, could fill in um, more questions uh, that I know that all of you have about who we are, what we do in oral health, and, and why. But uh, our, our programming really embraces um, what it would take for all children uh, to thrive and, and to achieve their, their greatest opportunity and, um, uh, and, and their life development. And he felt that, uh, you know, to do that, there were some core things, elements that need to be present. The first was education and learning. He felt the best way for any generation to advance beyond the generation before was through education and learning. And clearly that went everywhere from early childhood and, and, and maternal uh, child kinds of interactions and and uh, different training programs for child care providers through education and training for careers and lifetimes and and um, and and change of careers and and career pathways so that has been remained a piece of 
of our funding as well. Um, we fund in what we call food, health, and well-being, which is where much of our health and health care and our wellness kinds of things, um, public health and health prevention kinds of strategies live. And, um, and oral health is a piece of that. It is, and, and uh, finally, we have one uh, area that is really looking at what families need to be economically secure to actually help the children and propel them out of poverty and create uh, conditions where they thrive. So those are the, the core um, elements. And through that, we work with communities who ask for support in those areas and, and, and tell us what kind of ideas they have so that their children and their communities can, can raise the, the lake for all of the kids. And, um, and so our grants do come from community. We don't take a position and then fund that position and look for folks to, to do that. We basically say, what, what do communities, or what are the communities asking for, and how can we support that? Because Mr. Kellogg believed that the communities were self-determining and really understood what would be best for them. Finally, two core um, strategies that, that we, our, our DNA, that go through every grant that goes, as we look for um, the, the addressing racial equity and racial and ethnic and uh, cultural disparities. And in oral health, that is really very, very remarkable. We also support the community engagement in those strategies. And finally, we, we, we support leaders. And I want to just very briefly come back to that because Mr. Kellogg, in his opening documents for the first 11 years of our foundation, talked about the importance of dentists both as community members and leaders in the community as well as being service providers. So that leadership role and that community stewardship role for the dentist, and it was the dentist who are identified, is very, very core as we look. And that is why our strategy has always been around extending the dentist's hands. So I'll be quiet, and Dr. Coughlin, whatever questions you have, Dana, Lynn, and I are happy to answer. Well, uh, thank you for the wonderful uh, introduction to your organization. Uh, since many of the listeners uh, are new to the Kellogg Foundation, uh, I just want you to reassure them that Mr. Kellogg is the founders of the Kellogg Serial Empire. Uh, perhaps you can provide some some personal antidotes about Mr. Kellogg and how he started his business uh, and, and, and how that business now currently is a, a, a public uh, corporation. Uh, I just want the listeners to realize that this is the Mr. Kellogg who is the founder of the uh, Kellogg Corporation. Is that correct? Mr. Kellogg founded both the uh, Kellogg Cereal Company, and um, and then he founded the Kellogg Foundation as an independent philanthropic organization, so that uh, we do not have members of our board that come from the company, and we do not. While the trust that funds the work of the Kellogg Foundation is um, does contain a minimum amount of uh, Kellogg company stock. Uh, it is not the primary part of our uh, trust portfolio, and they are independent entities uh, so that 
neither one of us influences the businesses, but they are the same founder, and they are, um, and I will tell you a bit about Mr. Kellogg. Mr. Kellogg was a Seventh-day Adventist and abolitionist who moved to Battle Creek, Michigan, and his brother, who was probably more famous or infamous, depending on whatever stories people want to tell, uh, John Harvey Kellogg, uh, created uh, a, a place based on many Seventh-day Adventist uh, principles around health and well-being and, and what we would almost call like a, a uh, uh, the scientific uh, healing methods of the day that included a lot of fresh air. It also included a diet uh, that was based uh, without meat, caffeine, and uh, sugar uh, at that time. I believe sugar was in there, but at least uh, I know the caffeine and the meats were not a part of a Seventh-day Adventist diet. And so uh, the people that came to the sand, you know, that was a part of the, the healing that was offered in that time, which was the highest science of that time. Um, and Mr. Kellogg worked for his brother. Uh, at, uh, you know, as legend goes, the Kellogg cornflakes were discovered and, 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 and new businesses were started. But they are, you know, our relationship to, to that, and other than having a, a common founder, the values and principles that we have came from Mr. Kellogg's uh, writings. They come from who Mr. Kellogg was as, uh, as, as, a, as a, a visionary, as a leader. And the other thing I would say about Mr. Kellogg was that um, we talk about the children, and, and yet as we read the history of, you know, his leadership in his, com uh, com in his company, he very, very much looked at conditions in the community. So, for example, in Battle Creek during the Great Depression, you know, uh, uh, to keep the maximum number employed, the full-time working hours was decreased for that period of time so that more people could at least have uh, a livable wage and, and jobs in Battle Creek. That was really quite innovative, and he could have cut things to the bone, and he could have disadvantaged that community. But every move that, you know, we looked at, at that's documented that he made in his business, he also considered the communities and, and the, the people and, and that decision-making and the work within them. And he just felt that there was a lot of opportunity there. He's very much uh, related to uh, the work, the Rockefeller Foundation and the Kellogg Foundation were responsible for the early establishment of public health departments in states and um, and and uh, also in later on in the community levels that came and it came out of work that he also supported in that founding charter document around immunizations and the importance of of, of food and and farm and water and uh, other kinds of resources. So you know his uh, his his beliefs, his values, his principles uh, are reflected clearly to our work today. Where I'd like to go now for a few minutes is for our listeners to understand, and uh, the Kellogg Foundation has an enormous amount of data and research to indicate the seriousness of the oral health situation in the United States, and we'll just focus with the United States for now on this podcast. But I believe uh, the most significant chronic disease affecting the United States right now between the ages of 2 and 18 is dental caries or cavities. And uh, as you alluded to earlier in this podcast, uh, 
these diseases are 100% preventable with the correct policies and processes in place, uh, with uh, a stick-to-itiveness to address this problem, it is very correctable. And I believe your foundation is the leader in taking the action steps in trying to promote education, knowledge, and information to, one, make make everyone understand the serious nature of the problem. Many times people don't understand that a cavity may not sound that serious, but the effects of losing teeth prematurely, the loss of potential wages because of the disability of losing teeth, the effects on speech, the effects on the psychological well-being of growing up with missing teeth, uh, the, the children that can sometimes be teased and they turn into teenagers and young adults that may be rejected from job opportunities because of embarrassing situations. All of these oral health issues can be addressed and can be solved. And your organization has taken on that task. And I'm looking to work with you uh, to create some positive action uh, to educate the dental profession and the ancillary individuals around our profession to say, let's, let's do better. And what are the action steps to make it better? Uh, is there some particular things over the last, uh, 60, 70, 80 years uh, that the Kellogg Foundation has found that has been particularly helpful in addressing this problem? Well, um, very early on, uh, it had to do with the shortage of dentists. And uh, today, Dr. Coughlin, as your your audience likely knows better than I, um, that, uh, you know, as we look at the projections, and it depends whose projection you're looking at, there is... Um, you know, we need 7,100 new dentists uh, to meet the current needs. And um, by 2025, that, um, you know, that is estimated that dentist deficit is expected to double. And, you know, and uh, as I said, in my, my, my home county, you know, the, the, that ratio has not budged. And, and, and that is a, a very, very big concern. And, um, you know, I, I also want to, to say that, you know, as you describe, you know, very, very well why, you know, it, oral health is the number one chronic disease of children. It's even more common than asthma. And the, the fact of the matter is, you know, we also worked with Dr. David Satcher, then Surgeon General of the United States. And, um, you know, in, in 2000, his, um, his, his oral health, uh, report on the state of oral health in the U.S. really spoke to, you know, I think it was a, a silent epidemic, and um, and we've continued to to work uh, around with communities who find that this is one of the most pressing problems that they have, with very little opportunity for solution. Now um, we have uh, put together, you know, funding that we we also recognize that. Um, that, that kids uh, and what brought this current uh, attention to the work that we're doing around dental therapy is the disparities where you've got uh, untreated tooth decay in three to five-year-olds being about 11.3% uh, 
And in Alaska Natives and American Indians, it'd be 43.2%. When we entered the work in Alaska, their rate was 79.2% in the native villages. And, you know, that's just really not acceptable. And, and the fact that we don't have uh, enough dentists, and, and we also recognize that by 2020, uh, most, well, right now, the 50% of the children being born are what we would classify as minority children, children of color. Uh, that is expected by 2020 and 2025 to be, you know, all of the states are, are you know, uh, 27 will join uh, majority minority states in, um, in 2018. By 2020, you know, nationally, that will be the trend. The fact of the matter is we need to have pipelines that get the children into oral health professions as well. So we are very, we work with the American Dental Education Association. We have worked with um, a number of dental professional organizations around this pipeline and also trying to get dentists into that, that pipeline and, and working in terms of uh, cultural competence in that area as well. Um, and so it is, this is uh, a large endeavor. Uh, we're working with the Sullivan Alliance, which is Dr. Lewis Sullivan, former um, the uh, Secretary of HHS under the Bush One administration, is really looking at the the healthcare workforce and particularly the oral health workforce and the need for expanding both the pipeline and, and building career pathways within that that uh, both um, expand uh, the admission and 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 barriers to entry. For because and, and we're going to need more education. So we are looking at all of that, and we are also recognizing that in medicine, that looking at the the team and expanding the dentist hands could be a piece of the solutions. And we have communities that that want to test that. They feel that somebody coming from their community that is living in their community and is committed to staying in their community is going to be you know a, a provider for the long term that will understand and, and, and be there uh, in times of emergency. And that's what we all would hope for all of our families, our friends and our communities, and all of the people we love. First of all, uh, Ms. Werner, uh, my practice sees over 100,000 patients a year. I have 14 uh, offices in the Massachusetts region. And the one thing that I've learned about dealing with people is I know when they're passionate, I know when they believe what they're doing, and I can tell spending the last 30 minutes with you that you meet that criteria. Uh, I believe uh, Mr. Kellogg and the entire foundation uh, would be extremely proud of uh, your just enthusiasm and your goal to improve. And I want you to know from a grassroots standpoint, Ascent Dental Solutions uh, is behind you. And over the next several podcasts, I hope to dwell in to mid-level practitioners, uh, dental license practitioners, expanded duty auxiliaries, the whole combination. In most cases, uh, with problems such as we've been discussing, oral health for children in particular, it's probably not going to be one magic bullet, but a combination of events to make a positive change and try to uh, achieve the goal that Mr. Kellogg uh, wanted to achieve with his foundation. And the first step is attracting leaders such as yourself and your teammates, Dana and Lynn, 
uh, to uh, create a better environment of education, knowledge, and uh, mutual understandings so the dental profession can get behind you. We can work together rather than against each other and uh, create the positive change that ultimately is going to help this younger generation, which will be our future leaders. Uh, I just wanted to thank you and your foundation for uh, an excellent podcast. And I thank you for educating our listeners. Uh, I look forward to future podcasts where we can get into the more of the knit and the gritty of the action steps that will be necessary uh, to create this positive change. My understanding is you're willing to go forward with this in future podcasts. Is that correct? That is correct. And we do thank you also very much for this opportunity and the privilege of getting to talk to you about something. You're right. Our entire team, our CEO and president and our board, uh, our president, LaDrew Montgomery Tabron, this, uh, you, uh, you could to the person and at the foundation talk about this program and there is equal passion there. So the, the field should be just really delighted that oral health is a primary, um, part of a, of a, a body of work of a funder. And I know that that that's a difficulty for the entire oral health field. So we are privileged to talk to you, and thank you for making this opportunity available to us. Thank you very much. And for our listeners, you've been listening to Ascent Radio. This is Dr. Kevin Coughlin, Ascent-Dental Solutions. We're proud to have our guest as Ms. Allen, Alice Warner, and she is the Director of Policy at W.K. Kellogg Foundation. And I look forward to future podcasts where we can come up with positive action plans to create change. I also want to thank Mr. Doug Farista, who has been the producer of this podcast and without his expertise, this would not be happening. Thank you all for listening, and I look forward to our next podcast in the near future. Thank you, everyone, and have a great day. Podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. As the new year unfolds, make it a year of comfort and indulgence with Minky Couture. Wrap yourself in the lap of luxury with our exquisite blankets. Picture the cozy moments, the warmth of our premium materials, and the stylish designs that define Minky Couture. Welcome the new year with the ultimate in comfort and sophistication. January is your month to embrace luxury. Visit MinkyCouture.com or your nearest store today. Elevate your comfort, elevate your style with Minky Couture.